Welcome to Twisted States. This is week nine, and I am your host, Reagan. And we are here to talk about Idaho. Idaho was the 43rd state to join the Union. They considered it part of the, of like Oregon country. And it was an area that was disputed between the U.S. and the British Empire. And it became, officially became U.S. territory with the signing of the Oregon Treaty in 1846, but it wasn't recognized as its own separate state, uh, like territory or whatever, until 1863. And it was just considered part of like Oregon and Washington. Like it was just, that was that area right there. So it was eventually admitted into the Union as the state of Idaho on July 3rd, 1890, becoming the 43rd state. So, woohoo. Its uh, nickname is the Gem State. And the anthem is Here We Have Idaho. The motto is Esto Perpetua, which is Latin for Let It Be Perpetual. Interesting. Anyway, uh, I traveled there not too long ago. I uh, was doing an inventory job and we flew. It was my first time flying on a commercial flight. Like I was literally like in my 40s before I ever got on a commercial flight. Uh, And I could have went (laughs) another 40 years without getting on a commercial flight. Like it's all good. But um, yeah, we flew up there and we were in Boise, and I had taken a trip up there before that to Lewiston. So, yeah, um, it's pretty up there. Boise's really, like, they, what they've done with, it, like, the river runs through the middle of Boise. And there's just a park that runs the length of the river. And I just, like, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to get back on the plane and come home. I'm, like, it was kind of cool, though. Like, uh, when we flew up there, it was a... Uh, just a straight shot. And then coming back, we had one layover in San Francisco. And I loved, and I'm not saying this, I'm not being sarcastic. Like I really, really, really loved flying into the San Francisco airport because it looks like you're just going to go, you know, right down into the water. (laughs) It's so neat the way that it's like out the way it is right along the coast there. It was just, it was intense. I had so much fun. That was like really cool. It's my favorite part of the whole trip besides the park in Idaho. Um, yeah, it was really peaceful and nice up there and, and green and pretty. And we were up there in the spring. So it was just absolutely beautiful. And the weather was really nice. And, uh, yeah, a big, a very stark contrast to Vegas <laughs> for sure. So, um, yeah, that's my experience with Idaho. So this week we're going to talk about, uh, the first female serial killer in Idaho, uh, uh, Lita Southerd. Lita Southerd was born October 16th of 1892. There's not a whole lot of information about her. Oh, she was born Lita and May Trueblood. Um, there was not a whole lot about her, like, younger years that I could actually find. I mean, from my understanding, she had a pretty, like, um, standard childhood. Like, there was nothing special, nothing traumatic, really. Everything was just, like, she was just, like, a normal child, okay? Uh, pretty popular in school and stuff like that, and and uh, no no big... Nothing that really stood out that would ever indicate that she would turn into what she did. So when she was 19 years old, uh, she married Robert Dooley on March 17th of 1912. They moved with his, like they moved in with his brother Ed Dooley on a ranch in Twin Falls, Idaho. 
and the couple had a daughter together, uh, Lorraine. So it was just the three of them living there, apparently, from what I understand. In August of 1915, so like three years after they they got married and, and moved there, uh, Edward Dooley died of tomaine poisoning. We're going <laughs> to... Tomaine poisoning... Okay, so just a little side note here. Tomaine poisoning was basically just a myth that was just there, okay? Like, it was, it was not... Like, they gave it as an official diagnosis, but it was total BS. Like, it was completely disproven scientifically in the 1910s, okay? Um... In the 19th century, Italian chemist friend, uh, Francesco Salami uh, of Bologna, yes, <laughs> Bologna, introduced a generic name, Tomain, uh, from the Greek uh, Toma, which is fall, fallen body, corpse, uh, for alkaloids found in decaying animal and vegetable matter, especially uh, uh, putrescine and cadaverine. And the 1892 Merck's Bulletin stated, we named such products of bacterial origin tomains, and the special alkaloid produced by the comma bacillus is variously named cadaverine, putrescine, etc. While the Lancet stated the chemical ferments produced in the system, the tomains which may exercise so disastrous an influence, it is now known that the disastrous influence is due to the direct action of bacteria and only slightly to the alkaloids. Thus, the use of the phrase tomain poisoning is now obsolete. Uh, this was commonly like a thing. People would eat rotten food, bad food, whatever, and that was like the the common belief was it was tomain poisoning and that the tomain, you know, the alkaloids. Anyway, but yeah. That, so basically, they said that it was that it was uh, <laughs> that it was food poisoning. In October, Robert ends up falling ill with typhoid fever. He passed away on October 12th of 1915. So like a month after his brother. Like what are the odds, right? Now, typhoid fever, if you're not familiar, or typhoid, is also something that is generally, it's caused by salmonella serotype typhi bacteria. So once again, this is like a stomach thing, abdominal thing, a stomach thing, a gastrointestinal thing, okay? So those two people close to her, her brother-in-law and her husband, have died from a stomach thing, okay? So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, now there's a little bit of disc discrepancy before, obviously before he passed away. Early in their marriage, they had a daughter named Lorraine together. Uh, she was born in 1914. And uh, she, didn't, she didn't last very long. Now, I'm not sure exactly. So now Robert being gone and Edward being gone, you know, here you've got now, Lita is the sole survivor of the family. She's the only one left. Okay, it's just her and her daughter. So she um, got the life insurance policy. Uh, she actually, <laughs> she actually collected life insurance policies on both brothers shortly after they died. So she, um, I know with Robert Dooley, it was like forty six hundred dollars, which was a lot of money back then. 
Um, but I don't know like how much, whatever that was like, how much she ended up with at least from him. I'm not sure if that's him and the brother or whatever, but two years, two years after Robert Dooley's death, um, Lita married William G. McCaffle. Shortly afterward, her three-year-old daughter fell ill and died. Now, according to what was was basically public record at this point, is that she, at the time, was saying that her daughter basically drank some dirty well water, some dirt, you know, just like whatever, uh, drank dirty water. And that's what killed her. So once again, a gastrointestinal issue. Um, such a shame, small child. So, so now she's she's lost her daughter, her husband, her brother-in-law, and uh, she's remarried. So, after her daughter died, her husband William and her moved to Montana. A year later. <laughs> one year later McCaffle suddenly comes down with what was thought to be the flu who knows no idea uh, but he ended up passing away on October 1st of 1918 and on the death certificate it stated the cause of death is influenza and diphtheria and if you're not familiar with diphtheria diphtheria is an infection caused by the bacterium uh Cornobacterium diphtheriae, signs and symptoms may vary from mild to severe. And it usually starts out with like a sore throat and a fever, white or gray patches in the throat, caused like a, a croup cough and uh, enlarged lymph nodes and all kinds of crazy things going on. Um, inflammation of nerves, kidney problems, low level low levels of platelets, um, abnormal heart rate paralysis. Like there's a lot of stuff that can, that can happen. So it was supposed to be a mixture of that and influenza. Okay. Um, and, uh, he, he passed, uh, like I said, October 1st of 1918. So in March of 1919, she married Harlan C. Lewis. Harlan C. Lewis was a salesman from Billings, Montana. Funny thing, uh, four months, within four months after their marriage in March, so sometime in July, sometime during the summer, Lewis fell ill and died from complications of gastroenteritis. Basically, the man pooped himself to death. Okay. Um, he, gastroenteritis is, it's also known as infectious diarrhea. Now it's inflammation of the gastrointestinal tract, stomach and intestine, right? And, uh, symptoms include diarrhea, vomiting, abdominal pain, fever, lack of energy, dehydration, all that stuff can happen. And, uh, it's not related to influenza, though it has erroneously been called the stomach flu, which brings me back to the last guy. They said that it was like, um, influenza and diphtheria. So did they mean like a stomach flu or did they mean like the actual, you know what I'm saying? This was early, like medically speaking, <laughs> they weren't real, real advanced during this, this, uh, time frame. So, uh, yeah, dead 
<laughs> another one. Okay. So that, you know, that was in March of 1919 uh, that she married him in July. He passed away. She let a little bit more time pass. About a year later, uh, she had relocated to Pocatello, Idaho, and she married Edward F. Meyer, who was a ranch foreman. She married him in August of 1920. <laughs> this poor guy. Oh, my God. This poor bastard. He passed away <laughs> September 7th of 1920 from typhoid. Earl Dooley, which was a relative of Keller's first husband, was a chemist in Twin Falls. So he had a pretty good grasp of things, you know. Um, he knew a little bit more than your average Joe about things. <laughs> and he uh, ended up, you know, teaming up with a, a physician and another chemist because he's noticing that there's there's a lot of everybody's dropping like flies around this woman. Like there's got to be a reason. Like what's the reason? You know, there's this is just something's odd. Something is not right. So uh, they start, you know, digging into things and quickly he discovered that Ed and Bob both were murdered by arsenic poisoning and arsenic poisoning symptoms include, uh, may include vomiting, abdominal pain, encephalopathy, and watery diarrhea that contains blood, uh, long-term exposure, resultant thickening of the skin, darker skin, abdominal pain, diarrhea, heart disease, numbness, and cancer. So they ended up exhuming the bodies of three of Lydia's husbands and her four-year-old daughter and her brother-in-law. And they discovered that some of the bodies contained traces of arsenic, while others were suspected of arsenic poisoning by how well the bodies were preserved. And of course, you know, looking for a motive, they found that all four of her husbands had held a life insurance policy uh, with Idaho State Life Insurance Company of Boise. And she was able to collect over $7,000 over the years from the deaths of her first three husbands. So in the meantime, she had relocated to Honolulu, married for the fifth time to Navy Petty Officer Paul Southard, and uh, law enforcement, they put out a warrant, they found her, and they extradited her back to Idaho. She was arraigned on June 11th of 1921. Following a six-week trial, she was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 10 years of life imprisonment in the old Idaho State Penitentiary. She escaped from prison on May 4th of 1931 and took up residence in Denver, Colorado as a housekeeper for Harry Whitlock. And she ended up marrying him in March of 1932, but I guess once he found out what was going on and was like made privy to the information of everything that was really up. Uh, he, he ended up assisting in having her arrested in Topeka, Kansas on July 31st of 1932. Once he found out the real deal was going on. So she returned to the penitentiary in August of 1932. And then she was released on probation in October of 1941. So that would have been like 10 years after her initial 
sentencing or whatever. So I guess the probation would have been for the sentencing that she got for the escape. Uh, she ended up dying of a heart attack on February 5th of 1958 in Salt Lake City, Utah. And she was buried uh, at Sunset Memorial Park in Twin Falls, Idaho. And she was so young when it all started, too, because she got married when she was like 19. So she was like in her early 20s. I mean, uh, she was born in 1892. And so then by the time she got, I mean, she, yeah, she, she really wasn't that, that old. Wow. She was like in her forties by the time she, you know, she was pardoned when she was in her like 50. That's just crazy. Just absolutely insane. Anyway, but there you have it. The black widow. They also used to call her Bluebeard. <laughs> um, Obviously, because she, yeah, uh, kept marrying and, yeah, doing the thing. <laughs> marrying and killing and marrying and killing and marrying and killing. Um, that was really funny. Uh, the, the Bluebeard, the original Bluebeard like story uh, was written in 1697 by, actually, I think it was published in 1697 by Charles Perrault. Uh, it was published by Barbin. That was like the first time it was published or whatever. And uh, they even had a film that came out like 2009 based on the story of Bluebeard. And yeah, he would just like, you know, in the story, and it's like, he's this fictional character. And this woman like lived it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, that, that hurts my head. But uh, yeah, uh, they found out where she was getting the arsenic from. And she was getting it from boiling flypaper. Boiling fly, she was boiling flypaper and then giving the arsenic that she boiled off of the flypaper to her husband's and her own child. 10 years, 10 years, secondary murder, 10 years, all that money, all that time. And she just got to go live her life and do her thing for all those years. And, um, you know, 10 years, that's like a slap on the wrist. And then she ended up not even serving the whole time. She like escaped and then she was like put on probation and she just, you know, la da da da. Um, wow. <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing. Good old Idaho. <laughs> yeah, that's, wow. Hmm. Definitely, definitely a bizarre one. Okay, I'm still rambling on. Uh, please, hey, if you get a chance, go check out uh, Disruptive Girl over on YouTube, which is my YouTube channel that I do all of my vlogging and random stuff on because I have a couple of videos up recently. I'm uploading there more often. I haven't been for a while. And, um, so if you get a chance, go check that out. It's Disruptive Girl, D-I-S-R-U-P-T-I-V-E-G-I-R-L on YouTube. And also there is a Twisted States YouTube channel that I upload these episodes on as well. Um, if you want to hop over and check that out. And I'm also on Instagram at Twisted States and all that fun stuff. If you have anything that you would like to contribute to the show as far as stories or interesting things, cases that you'd like for me to cover, or if you want to have any kind of conversation, or you just want to tell me I suck, whatever, reach out to me either at the Twisted States YouTube channel in the comments of any of my videos, because I get alerts for those. Or you can message me over on Instagram at Twisted States. And, uh, yeah, because I actually keep track of those kind of things and to get notifications and stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm really I'm totally open to, to doing some BSing with people and uh, having a conversation about some of these topics because they're fascinating. 
And uh, people are strange and life is weird and the, the world is weird. And there's a lot out there that just makes no sense. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to go because I will just blather myself right into a oblivion here. <laughs> um, I'm going to go get this edited, get it uploaded and get back to my sewing because I've been having a lot of fun on my, my singer that was from roughly the same era as this story. So yeah. Woo-hoo. All right. I will talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Bye.